live the faithful life that You have called us to live. Help us to always trust in Thee. You said You'd never leave us nor forsake Thee or forsake us, and we thank You for that promise, and we know that to be true. In Jesus' name and for His sake, amen. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 22. Acts chapter 22, it's actually the fourth in um, a series that I'm sort of doing on the Apostle Paul through this uh, thing on Acts. And in Acts chapter 22, we'll start in verse 25. So, what I've been talking about um, is the fact that, you know, Paul was out of the will of God going to Jerusalem. I mean, there's no doubt about it. If you look... um, it's not a matter of suffering or refusing to suffer or being godly or... Um, listen, all suffering is not godliness. Sometimes it can be uh, brought on by ourselves. If you bring something on yourself, don't blame God and you know, don't look at it and go, well, you know, the devil's trying to destroy me. Uh, listen, a lot of things aren't the devil. Um, a lot of things aren't God. And so we've got to have a balance in there. Sometimes just the, the world, the flesh, and ourselves, uh, that we bring it upon ourselves. Well, that's what Paul's doing here. Now, all of a sudden, you know, Paul in Acts chapter 16, he goes to jail. He leaves the Philippian jailer of the Lord. And, you know, what a miraculous thing. Now, all of a sudden, he's bringing out the citizenship card. Don't blame him a bit. If I was a Roman citizen at the time, and uh, I knew that I, you know, they were they were tying me up, they were scourging me, and and you know, it was just going to be another beating. Um, but here's the thing: sometimes you know the beating is unjustified because you bring it on yourself, and and that's a problem. So that's where we are with Paul. This is the fourth one in that series. Look at verse twenty-five. As they bound him with thongs, that's just you know, ropes. Paul said unto the centurion that stood by, Is it lawful for you to scourge a man that is a Roman and uncondemned? There he is. He pulled out his Roman citizenship card. That's going to get you a free pass in Rome. Verse 26, when the centurion heard that, a centurion is over a hundred people. That's a hundred soldiers. Century. Centurion. So that's how you know that. He went and told the chief captain, saying, Take heed what thou doest, for this, this man is a Roman. Then the chief captain came and said unto him, Tell me, art thou a Roman? He said, Yea. And the chief captain answered, With a great sum obtained I this freedom. And Paul said, But I was free born. He has even better status uh, than you know, somebody that had to buy it. Uh, verse 29, Then straightway they departed from him, which, have, uh, which should have examined him. And the chief captain also was afraid after he knew that he was a Roman because he had bound him. On the morrow, because he would have known the certainty whereof he was accused of the Jews, he loosed him from his bands and commanded the chief priests and all their counsel to appear and brought Paul down and set him before them. Now, remember I told you in verse 25 it says thongs, right? The Bible defines itself because he loosed him from his bands in verse 30. What are thongs? They're bands. Do you have to change the Bible? Oh, I don't know what, a, what thongs are. Well, we probably do because you, you know, we're in Florida. You know, in other words, they're bands. That's all they are. So when you see your Bible, don't change your Bible. Learn your vocabulary and let the Bible define itself because it will do that. All right. Now the next thing, 
Look at Philippians chapter 3. Hold your place here, but look at Philippians chapter 3. This is a far cry when you look at Philippians 3 and what Paul says about um, his position in life. He says in Philippians 3 verse 4, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Well, what's he doing right now? He's trusting in the flesh. I'm a Roman citizen. You know, uh, verse 6, Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of the Hebrews, touching the law, Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ, yea, doubtless, and I count all things, including being a Roman citizen, but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Amazing. What we see there, what he wrote in Philippians, is not what he's living out in the book of Acts right now. I'm telling you, I do not fault Paul for doing what he did. I do not fault Paul for wanting to go to Jerusalem and reach his brethren according to the flesh. He was saying to God when God told him no and to flee, he said, Look, I am prison to beat in every synagogue then that believed in thee. Why wouldn't the Jews listen to me? He says, you know, when your martyr Stephen, was sh- his blood was shed, I was consenting unto his death. Why wouldn't these Jews believe, listen to me? In other words, he's given a, a very good argument, but it's outside the will of God. Anytime you do anything where you think you know more than God, you're wrong. Okay? But he doesn't think that way right now. What he's thinking is, look, I have this zeal. Zeal without knowledge is dangerous. Knowledge without zeal is useless. And you have to have a balance. Paul got out of the will of God. How do you know? Well, just look at a couple of verses. Look at chapter 20 again, verse 22. Chapter 20, verse 22. Back a page. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things uh, that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. Well, okay. So what, right? I've already told you, if this country continues to change, bonds and afflictions may may be in our future. And you know what I say? What are you going to do? I hope in my present mindset, present, I'm going to stand for truth. I'm not going to waver, but I don't know what's going to happen until I'm there. So what Paul says there is okay. But now look at chapter 21, verse 4. And finding disciples, we tarried there seven days, who said to Paul through the Spirit that he should not go up to Jerusalem. End of argument. Anybody that says Paul was in the will of God, is wrong. Anybody that justifies Paul's actions is is really trying to justify their own uh, failure to do what God wants them to do. Now look at chapter 21, verse 11. He says, And when he was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle, this is Agabus the prophet, 
and bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth his, this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Again, you might say, well, what's the big deal? Well, in every city, Paul is being told the same thing. And in chapter 21, verse 4, that's the most telling thing that he's told not to go. God said to flee from Jerusalem. He wasn't to go back. Every time he went to Jerusalem, it was a problem. And listen, you can do things that will cause other people danger. So stay in the will of God. Now, you can look at chapter 22. Look at chapter 22, verse 1. Men, brethren, fathers, hear ye my defense, which I make now unto you. Well, Paul didn't have to make a defense. He went into jail in, in Philippi and, and he saw souls saved after an earthquake and God delivered him. Why has he got to defend himself? I'll tell you why you have to defend yourself because you're outside the will of God, Paul. Chapter 21, verse 4. End of argument. Now, I will read you an email I got. Uh, this is from California. Uh, it's been a while since my last email. Um, thank you for your obedience to God and for doing the lesson on Paul and his disobedience in Acts 21. The timing of this lesson was perfect as God's timing always is. Little did you realize that in California I would need this lesson. Yesterday I attended a women's Bible study and we covered this chapter. Most women, including the lead speaker, believe that Paul was heroic in pressing on toward Jerusalem even though he knew the trials that awaited him. I would agree. They glorified his rebellion, some comparing him to Moses, because Moses knew in advance that Pharaoh would not listen, yet he was obedient anyway. As Paul, knowing tribulations awaited him, boldly pressed on. I was dumbfounded, leaving me wrestling in my spirit for the rest of the day. I wrestled with doubt that I had interpreted the Word of God correctly, because I saw Paul acting outside the will of God. Then to have the speaker support the actions of Paul was as heroic, sealed the deal that my thoughts on the matter were outside the group. Then I realized uh, my critical thinking compared Scripture with Scripture had uh, after I'd left the building. I was the only one in the small group that saw this as an open defiance against God. I would love your thoughts on how to approach the matter. Well, I, I wrote her back. I, wasn't gonna t- I said, good to hear from you, Judy, just home from knee replacement, re-roofing the church Monday through today, cleaning up now, ongoing, painting all the interior, exterior... Um, you will probably not fix the problem with pointing it out. I said, glad it helped, meaning the sermon. I would mark those verses in your Bible, pose it as a question to the speaker if you feel it will help, ask what her thoughts are on them, full confrontation will not help, talking with a close friend in a group and asking what their thoughts are on these verses would be beneficial for how someone else in the group feels also. So in other words, just... Speak the truth in love. Take it easy. Don't, you know, don't go in there guns a-blazing. You know, uh, just go in there softly and say, hey, have you considered this? Sometimes it will help, sometimes it won't. But the point is, there are people that are teaching that Paul was in the will of God going to Jerusalem. I'm sorry. He, he, we saw how he went to Jerusalem and he stopped preaching on his way. He'd go into a city and preach on his way to Jerusalem. He was, there to get, he was going to get there before Pentecost. He took a vow. A vow that he knew was out of the will of God. All that stuff was nailed to the cross, and yet he did it. So what I'm saying is, he's out of the will of God. Let's not ever, ever think that it's okay to do right, to do wrong in order to do right. That's the bottom line. You can't justify sin, no matter how godly the man is, no matter how godly the woman is, 
No matter how godly you are, he was wrong. Now look at chapter 23. And Paul, earnestly beholding the council, said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded them that stood by him to smite him on the mouth. Then said Paul unto him, God shall smite thee, thou whited wall, for thou sittest for sittest thou to judge me after the law and commandest me to be smitten contrary to the law? Does that sound like the Paul of Acts 16? No. You see, he's in the flesh. Uh, look at 1 Peter chapter 2. Let's look and, see, and compare some scripture about how we should handle uh, some of these situations. <clears throat> now, I'm not saying that you can't stand up for yourself. You can. Just because you're a Christian and just because I'm a pastor. You know, I had somebody one time you know, say, well, you're a pastor. And they said something about my wife. I said, she's the pastor's wife. I said, you don't say something about the pastor's wife. Nobody in this church. Okay. But they said something about her. I said, look, I said, that's where I draw the line. The Bible says that I am worse than an infidel if I don't provide for my own. You know how we interpret 1 Timothy 5.8? We say, well, pride, money. What about security? Love. Peace. We, we, men, are supposed to provide for our own all those things I just mentioned. You know what I'm supposed to do? I'm, I'm supposed to provide security for my wife, protection for my wife. I protect my wife. Most of you didn't even have her cell phone for the longest time. You know Why? Because in many churches, many churches, the most vulnerable person in the church is the pastor's wife and children. Did you, you know that, right? So what do I do? Well, I protect her for a while. You know, we just took our time. Now, I don't have any problem with any one of you ladies having my wife's cell phone number. Because I know how much you love her. I wish you would just love me as much. <laughs> Just, just kidding. I am, I am loved because you love her, okay? That, that is a big deal. Um, so, again, I'm, I'm joking. Uh, men, I wish you all loved me as much as the women love my wife. There you go. No hugs, men. Just, just handshake and be fine. 1 Timothy 2.23. 2.23. Um, 21. For even whereunto ye were called, because Christ also suffered us, leaving us an example that we, that we should follow His steps. What did Jesus do when He was reviled? Answer, not a word. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in His mouth, who when He was reviled, reviled not again. When He suffered, He threatened not, but committed Himself to Him that judgeth righteously. Now there comes a point, if it's your testimony that you have to sometimes stand up and say enough's enough. They can't just destroy your testimony. I mean, people can't come in and go, well, you know, the pastor's committing adultery. Uh, with who? Uh, you know, he's fornicating. He's, he's doing this. He's lying. He's cheating. He's stealing. You, you can't just go, well, you know, we're just going to accept all that. Uh, no, no. You can't libel somebody. You can't slander somebody and expect them to sit back. That's not the point. But the point is, Paul is in a religious situation and he is saying he is not being the Paul of Acts 16 or anywhere else in the Bible. He is in the flesh. 
And for us to accept that means this, you can be in the flesh too. I can be in the flesh too. What we have to do is we have to discern right and wrong and how to handle things and realize that, listen, getting in the flesh is not the way to do it. But the Bible says this, as much as lieth in thee, live peaceably with all men. Sometimes it's not possible to live peaceably with anybody, everybody. There comes a point where, let's say somebody attacks this church. You know what you do? You err on the side of caution. You err on the side of love. You err on the side of pray, 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 pray. And then what God says is, okay, now you've done due diligence. Now handle it this way. And guess what happens when you handle it His way? It works out. But if you ever get in the flesh on the matter, then Katie, bar the door of the results. I mean, that's just the way it is. Paul's in the flesh. The encouraging thing is one of the greatest Christians that ever lived, whose writings have helped me more through the Spirit of God than anybody else, is as human as you and I. Elijah was a man of like passions. Man, he, what do you do? He killed four, had 450 uh, prophets of Baal killed, and then Jezebel just says a couple of words, and whew, man, he's in the, he's in the, uh, in the cave Wanting to die. You ever feel like that? Yeah, I mean, sometimes you just go, man, I'm on the, man, he's up on the mountaintop. Look at God work. He puts all that water on that altar and, and, and uh, then he says, now bring the fire on and it should not have caught fire. God just consumes the whole thing. And a little bit after that, man, he's running for his life. That's what you got to realize. Be encouraged by that. That if you fail, get back up. If you falter, don't think it's permanent. Unless you make it permanent. It's not permanent in the eyes of God. Look at another verse. Look at, um, well, he says, When thou art reviled, revile thy again. Luke 6.28 says, Bless them that curse you. Bless them that curse you. Are you kidding me? Bless them that curse you? <laughs> you know what our natural reaction is? Curse them back. And that is all I'm saying. Do not be natural. Be supernatural. Do not be a reactor. Act. Don't react. And if you step back and you let God get in control, all of a sudden you'll look and go, Oh man, I was going to say this and I didn't. I was going to do this and I didn't. And then God took over. And listen, we all fail. I failed not long ago. I had somebody say something and I just... Oh, I was in the hospital. And so Judy was supposed to get out at noon. She has 23 hours. She can stay in the hospital. She's supposed to get out. And um, at noon, we unhooked everything, packed everything up, including the ice machine. Okay? Packed up. She's got no medication, nothing, because we're going home. One o'clock. Two o'clock. And now she's in pain. And I'm like, so I told him, I said, look, she's got to have some pain medication. And then I got the ice machine out, hooked her all back up, put her later back down and all that. And then 3 o'clock came. And we're like, now we feel like we're in jail. I don't like being in the hospital anyway. Well, when the physician's assistant came in, I was not a joyous person as I usually am. 
In fact, we had some of the best treatment in the hospital. I, I did accolades on everybody in the hospital. Remember, she's not in the hospital. She comes in. This is what she says. Oh, I guess I should have been here earlier. Well, that's, wait a minute. Wait a minute, wait, wait. I guess I, that means you could have been? You're three hours late. We had, we had this amount of time. We had to be out of the hospital. Now, they gave us an extension. Don't get me wrong. But, I mean, we're packed up, ready to go, thinking this is the way the system works. We're out of here. We're just waiting on the physician's assistant to give you the clearance. I said, okay. Well, then she says, well, at least she got some of the good stuff. And I went, I went, look, you need to, you need to communicate. Remember, I'm with the office where I had to go down there to finally get her in. Remember, Jan, how you have to go down there and about beat the door down to get, get you your service? That's the only problem with good doctor, good work, good people, but they don't communicate. Well, guess what? I'm confessing to my church. I was not the perfect and upright man that I should be. I was providing things to my loved one, justification for the sin that I committed. I was upset. Oh, yeah, then the ice machine. Oh, by the way, the ice machine didn't work, the ice around her leg, because there's two little things. You have to, you have to snap it in. Well, when I put it together, one of them didn't snap. So now I'm like, the ice machine doesn't work, and we're leaving. Now we've got to stay longer if we've got to get it. I said, I need you to find me another one. Because now, I'm, you know, now I'm, I'm at wit's end because now she's in excruciating pain. The only time she's been in that kind of pain. And it's somebody's fault. Now, I didn't snap it in, so it's mine too afterwards. But at the time, it, you know, so they're, well, we just can't go get one. I said, I don't care. You call somebody, and you find out how to get another one because that's not working. Finally, I get her in there. I said, I said, would you look at it? And we get in there, and then we pop it in, and it works. So I'm just telling you, listen, I am not faulting Paul as somebody that, that's wicked or ungodly. Paul is human, and I want you to see his humanity. I want you to see your pastor's humanity, too, and think, well, you know, so, oh, the pastor said something to me, and, and, and he was rude. I don't know if I have in here. If I have, I apologize. Uh, but I'm human. And you know what? You are too. And you know what? Robert is too. And you want to know something? I, 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 don't, I don't think Peter is. I, never, I think Peter's supernatural. You know, I think, I don't, you know, it's like, Peter, you're going to get, you're going to get excited and mad. You know, he, by the way, thank you for cutting the grass. You cut the grass, right? Okay. I just noticed it was done. By the way, I, ste- I had stepped on one nail coming across the grass, and then there was one in the parking lot. So, stay on the parking lot out of the grass... Heather and I walked the whole property yesterday and she found the one in the parking lot because it probably got blown out there with a, with a cutting. But I'm just telling you, there could be another nail out there and it's yours. The drive looks okay, but just don't walk across the... Because I walked across coming in from checking the mail and it was in there and I go, oh. So I limped over and I showed Heather and she says, what, gum? I said, nope, look... Pulled the nail out. The one on the carpet? Inside? Wow. That might have been us. I mean, I, I threw two away, but I didn't think I threw one down. So anyway, I'm just saying be careful while I'm thinking about it because I didn't tell you before I got started. Now go back to 
Acts 23. Acts 23. So he says in verse 3, Thou whited wall, verse 4, And they that stood by him, revilest thou God's high priest? Then said Paul, I wist not, brethren, speaking to the Jewish brethren, that he was the high priest, for it is written, Thou shalt not speak evil of the ruler of thy people. Now, wait a minute. Now, I got a question for you. That's Exodus 22, 28, by the way, that he shouldn't have done that. Now, I've got a question for you. Do you think Paul couldn't recognize the high priest? I mean, you can get so mad that you say something that you regret. I'm not saying Paul's lying, but I'm saying there is that question. That when you blurt things... I didn't know he was. Everybody's looking around going, uh, the hat, the garb, the, the fact that he's running the thing. So I'm just telling you, listen, don't use it as justification for your sin. Because Paul's wrong. Verse 6. But when Paul perceived that the one part... Now he's going to get... Um, yeah, I always thought this was good, but it's not. He saw, he saw one part with the Sadducees. Now, what are the Sadducees? They don't believe in the what? That's why they're sad, you see, or angels or anything else. But they're sad, you see, because they don't believe in the resurrection. The Sadducees, the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, and the son of a Pharisee, of the hope and resurrection of the dead, I am called in question. No, you're not. Paul, you're not called into question on the hope and the resurrection of the dead. You're called in on the fact that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Is that part of the resurrection? Sure. But you see how this is getting bad. Because Paul's allowing himself to be human. Paul's out of the will of God. Paul is looking at it saying, Hey, I anticipated you all listening to me. Don't you think he anticipated that? You can't look at it and go, well, nobody's listening to me. I'm preaching the gospel. I'm doing what God wants me to do. I'm a missionary to whatever country. I am here and they're not listening. And then you start getting in the flesh. And you know, you heard people say, well, I take a gun, put a gun to his head and go, you better accept Christ or I'll blow your brains out. That's probably not the best way to witness to somebody. He goes in verse 7. He says, and when he had so said, there arose a dissension between the Pharisees and the Sadducees uh, and the multitude was divided. Don't you think that was Paul's purpose? To divide the multitude, to take attention off himself and to put it on their division? Verse verse 8, for the Sadducees say there's no resurrection, neither angel nor spirit, but the Pharisees confess, confess both. And there arose a great cry and the scribes that were of the Pharisees uh, that were of the Pharisees' part, rose and strove, saying, We find no evil in this man, but if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him, let us not fight against God. Now he's got half the group defending him. Why? Because he knew what he was doing. He was manipulating the people. He was outside the will of God. He wasn't preaching the gospel. And he was just trying to save his skin. And he was upset that God didn't do it his way. Sound like Jonah? You can be a Jonah, you can be a Paul in the flesh, you can be anything you want to be or don't want to be, and you don't get to stop it when you want to stop it. This is a a snowball going down the hill and it keeps building up momentum with Paul. I have always, listen, and I told you this, you got to be careful. If somebody mentions Paul more times than they mention Christ, there's something wrong with the message. 
You say, well, Paul's the apostle of Gentiles. I get that. Well, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Be followers of me, he says. Keep the ordinances that I deliver. Shouldn't we say, Paul, Paul, Paul? No. We should say, Jesus Christ. Who wrote Romans? God. Who do you use to pen it? The Apostle Paul. And that's what you have to be careful of. And leery of. I've been doing this a long time. 30 years ago, I just said, Paul, Paul, Paul. Now I realize that's wrong. Verse 10. And when there arose a great dissension, the chief captain, fearing lest Paul should have been pulled in pieces of them. Who? The Sadducees and the Pharisees. They're getting ready to rip him into pieces. Commanded the soldiers to go down, take him by force from among them, and to bring him into the castle. There's no account of any salvations, no gospel shown in any of this dialogue here. What do you have? You have a man who loves Jesus Christ beyond all comprehension, but he has a tendency right here to love his brethren in the flesh, the Jews, more than the right relationship. And that's what you got to be careful of. you got to be careful you don't put your family in front of Christ, your church in front of Christ, your workers in front of Christ. Whatever it is, nothing should be in front of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, you thank you for your many blessings. God, lead and direct in all things. Pray for the services this morning that you would have your will and way. In Jesus' name and for His sake, amen. We'll start again in about 12 and a half minutes if I'm on time.